Your body experiences many changes during pregnancy. One of the two groups of muscles that bear the most stress during this change is your pelvic floor. But what exactly is your pelvic floor? What does it do? And how can you protect it while you're still pregnant? I'm Destiny Boshinsky, a doctor of physical therapy at Scripps Memorial Hospital, and this is Preggy Pals, episode 19. Um, is that a plus sign? Pink or blue? Hospital or home birth? What type of food should I be eating? I think I just peed myself. I'm pregnant. And I have to exercise? What, pregnancy glow? Wait, was that a contraction? (laughs) Gotta make these pants fit! I've got kinkles! What do you mean there's more than one? You've got the symptoms, and now you've got the support you need for a happy nine months. This is Preggy Pals, your pregnancy, your way. Welcome to Preggy Pals, broadcasting from the Birth Education Center of San Diego. I'm your host, Sunny Galt. If you haven't already, be sure to download our free Preggy Pals apps available on Android and Apple products. You can also connect with the show through our Facebook fan page and through Twitter, where you'll find lots of great conversations, and you can also network with other moms-to-be. Do you have an interesting birth story you'd like to share? We're looking for listeners who want to share their stories via video Skype. So if you like your birth story and you want it to be featured, go to preggypals.com slash Submit your story and send us some more information. All right, let's introduce some of the panelists here in the studio. Hi, I'm Jackie Kleber. I'm 25. I'm a birth doula, and I'm due November 29th with this surrogate baby girl. I have one child. He's three, and I'm going for an unmedicated hospital birth. I'm Misty Davies. I'm 33. I'm a gemologist. I'm due October 10. Uh, I'm having a little girl, my first child, and I'm hoping for unmedicated hospital birth. My name is Kate Gittens. I'm 29. I'm a sales representative for Pearson Education. I'm due August 30th. Um, I do not know the gender, and this is my first baby, and I'd like a hospital medicated birth. Hi, I'm Rebecca Harrison. Um, I am a skincare professional with Mary Kay. My little baby girl is due on the 11th of September, and this is my third. Um, I have two little boys at home, and I am going to have a water birth. Here's a look at a story that's making headlines around the internet. If you guys want to check out these headlines, you can do so on our Preggy Pals Pinterest board. So this one is all about social networking, Facebook in particular. There is a couple in Illinois that had a hard time choosing between a couple different baby names for their little girl. So what did they do? They basically started a Facebook poll so that anyone and everyone on Facebook could tell them what they thought. So there were two names in particular they were going back and forth between and they claim that whatever Facebook chooses that they are going to choose as well and fully support. So what do you guys think about this? Would you ever, I mean baby names is kind of a a huge deal. We in fact uh, did an episode on this for Preggy Pals episode 5 I think it was. Um, You know, choosing your baby's name is a big deal and I understand that um, you may not completely agree with your partner or spouse about this, but do you leave it up to Facebook? What do you think? For me, I wouldn't just because I like my privacy. So um, my page is extremely private. So I don't even think that I would ask my my friends and family. (laughs) Would you ask them in person? (laughs) Um, I might. But um, I I think for me, I'd probably do like a dartboard. (laughs) Darts at a board and (laughs) kind of play that game for, you know, the whole pregnancy and see which one comes up with the most percentage. Right. (laughs) But that's just me. I wouldn't, because then you always get those negative Nancys, and they have to like be huge downers about everything. So you think they would criticize your name? Yeah, whatever. Be it like, was. oh, there's too many of those. How many other people are going to be that her name in yeah. the class? Yeah, 
Yeah. But what if you really just can't figure it out? What if what do you do if you and your partner just can't agree? Did anyone have this problem? Those of you that have had kids already? No. no. It was in negotiation, but you oh, yeah. had to negotiate. <laughs> How many vetoes did you get? <laughs> um, only a few. Well, we had we had a list, and then, you know, we would go back, and if one of us said no, then it was off the list. But okay. then it was a compromise later. So I, wow. did, comprom- I did compromise. That's amazing. That so, it, it, so your husband said no, and you took it right off the list then if he said no? And then put it back at the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> it got put back at the bottom. <laughs> I think we've recycled a couple of names back to the bottom. Um, but yeah, well, I mean, I had to respect his nose and he yeah. had to respect mine. So, I mean, in the end, the ones that were really like adamant nose, it they were they right. Were gone, so. If you knew that your spouse just couldn't live with your, you know, baby or yourself or whatever, if that was the name, I think you'd probably take it off. Oh yeah, right? definitely. My husband and I are doing it that way, too. And then I found that with asking people's opinions of names that I was thinking of, it just got really annoying. It is. I mean, yeah. people hate the names or they love the names. Well, and then I knew are- a so-and-so that was this yeah. and mean to me in elementary school when I was in you know first grade <laughs> that one day. Yeah, you know. so they'll come up with this nickname for it. Yeah. So, oh. Yeah. You can, well, name, you can name her that, but I'm going to call her this. I'm like, oh, yeah. yeah that, exactly. Whatever. See, comments are different. I don't think I would post something online where people could just rant and rave on comments. But if it's a poll yeah. where you're just choosing one or the other, and I have I have a feeling that's what it was with this. I think you can do just Facebook polls where it's, you know, this name or this name, and you can't comment and, you know. What did you guys do? Because you don't know what you're having yeah. yet. Yeah. Um, my, my husband and I actually, we just picked two different names. We just been, we've been talking about names for a long time. We had a nice list of boy names and girl names and we just narrowed it down. So we were able to, we really, we did really well at like collaborating about what's best for a boy and a girl. And we finally nailed him. He still, he still like kind of likes the girl, one of the girl names that we have, but (laughs) yeah, I think ultimately I'm like, I'm having this baby. I've been carrying this baby for 10 months. (laughs) If I want this name, I'll get it. So, so yeah. So and we then have, you have to think about your last name, too. How does it collaborate yeah, it with your does. last name? And your initials. My dad's oh, initials yes. are gas. <laughs> <laughs> really have to think of initials, <laughs> rhyming. I mean, we, we've rhymed every name in the book. I mean, so, yeah. Rhyming, initials, uh, yeah. nicknames. Well, then when once you have one baby, sometimes you want the name to not go hand in hand with your other kids' names, but sound good when you put it on a Christmas card or whatever, right? It needs yeah. to kind of sound similar because then they don't know who you're yelling at. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then suddenly just a whole bunch of stuff comes out of your mouth, none of which are any names in your house. Right? Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft. Made with Tencel, it's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com. Today we're learning all about the pelvic floor. If this is your first pregnancy, it's an area of the body you may not be so familiar with. But here to shed some light is Destiny Boshinsky. She's a doctor of physical therapy at Scripps Memorial Hospital right here in San Diego. So hello, Destiny. Hello. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on. All right. So um, I hadn't 
you know, I wasn't even aware of what a pelvic floor was until, you know, you're kind of in the midst of this and you're pregnant and suddenly, mm-hmm. you know, you're really studying your body a little bit more. So for everyone out there, how would you describe the pelvic floor? What is it and what does it do? Well, your pelvic floor is essentially the area in between your pubic bone in the front and your tailbone in the back. It consists of muscles, um, tendons, ligaments, all of the connective tissue therein, and as well as some of the sphincters, um, your, your rectum and your urethra. Okay. That's pretty much it. Okay. And then what does it do in the body? Like what role does the pelvic floor have within the body? Well, it has a few functions. Um, Primarily, it's a a supportive role. It supports um, your bladder, your uterus, and your bowels. So it it allows and enables the proper function of all of those organs. Um, Clearly, it stretches to allow a baby to pass through. That's a big function for it, and that's very normal for that to happen. Um, And it should you know, it should do that on its own. Um, and it also acts as a big stabilizing um, a, um, center of your body. Everyone here has heard about the core. Everyone talks about core strengthening. How, how many of you know that your pelvic floor is part of your core? It's a really important part of your core. Everyone's doing crunches and sit-ups and ab work. That's not the only muscles that are involved in your core. Your pelvic floor kind of forms the bottom of your core. Um, if you look at your torso and your abdominals are part of it, your back muscles are part of it, but your um, pelvic floor muscles are also a really important part in stabilizing your, the center of your body. For women out there, are there some women that are more prone to having these types of problems throughout pregnancy and even childbirth? Well, I I wouldn't say there's like a type of woman who's prone to issues, but there's definitely some risk factors that go along with pelvic floor issues. Um, Obesity is one of them. Um, Anything that causes increased pressure on the pelvic floor. So if you do a lot of high impact activities, you're a runner, jumping, um, there's even, you know, we've even had patients that are, um, you know, high school girls who've had problems with incontinence because they're doing a lot of running and jumping in their sport. Um, Those are some of the things that can predispose you to pelvic floor issues. Um, Obviously, trauma during childbirth can lead to pelvic floor issues later on, but doesn't necessarily have to. Smokers are predisposed to all sorts of things. Yeah, why smoking, though? Why why is that? Smoking, um, nicotine is a bladder irritant. And smoking, uh, the act of smoking um, kind of establishes and creates this imbalance in your lungs and your um, abdominal and thoracic cavity. So people who are constantly smoking and puffing, they they kind of get out of touch with their abdomen and can develop some imbalanced things. And that affects your pelvic floor because anything that changes the pressure in your abdominal cavity can change the pressure and force on your pelvic floor. As far as the the weakening of the pelvic floor is concerned, does it get weaker and weaker with each pregnancy? Or if, if we're keeping up with this, if we're doing the things we need to be doing, um, can we avoid that? Um, Yeah, it doesn't have to get weaker with each pregnancy. Um, Obviously, well, maybe not obviously, but with more than two, three, four, with successive pregnancies, you're more likely to have some kind of compromise and um, overstretching of the pelvic floor muscles. you know, trauma can occur. Um, and even during the pregnancy itself, even if you don't have a vaginal delivery, you, just the pregnancy itself puts some pressure on the pelvic floor and, and contributes to some changes there. So um, you can do exercises in between that can help you maintain. But if you're going to have four, five, six, seven kids, you know, there's definitely some increased risk there. Okay. So for our moms here in the studio who have already had babies, um, had you heard of a pelvic floor prior to giving birth? And uh, what's your overall experience been since having birth? 
I had never heard of a pelvic floor. <laughs> it kind of sounds weird, doesn't it? Like, yeah. I mean, even after, even after you yeah, didn't hear about no. it, really? Yeah, no. Is, and then is it was today like, the first hey, day you're here? No. <laughs> <laughs> and then it was like, hey, why am I peeing every time I sneeze or cough or yeah, move or yeah? yeah. I I had heard about it because um, I'm an athlete, so I actually had. Um, core strength stuff that we had to do that involved the pelvic floor and I hated those exercises <laughs> and now I'm wishing I'm wishing that I did <laughs> so you were an athlete in high school or you continued to and do in that? college oh in college yeah and too. after wow. yeah okay so yeah. they told you about the pelvic floor yeah. then and doing exercises yeah. I'm a stuff. distance runner so oh yeah running was one of the things you mentioned yeah. Yeah. And mm-hmm. gotta have a good core mm-hmm. and well even I just, if even if you do those long distances you know not everyone has heard the marathon stories. No. Yeah. <laughs> and, well, when you're running that long anyway, you pee while you run. So, I yeah. mean, you, oh. just, you just don't stop, especially yeah. in a race. You don't have right. time right. to stop and right. pee. I've often wondered how that worked. <clears throat> oh, you just wow. pee and it goes down and you're like, that is hysterical. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Some people do more. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I have stopped for those moments. <laughs> Yeah, that would be my Not choice. If you really as well. want to win. Yes, no. Yeah, <laughs> apparently I didn't want to win, but um, no. For those for those moments, I I opt. I do opt to stop. <laughs> um. Okay, back to pregnancy. <laughs> How is the pelvic floor impacted by childbirth? What happens by birth? So there's a lot of stretching. Everyone talks about dilation, and dilation really refers to the cervix, but um, once the baby gets past the cervix, your pelvic floor has to stretch as well. So we talk. everyone talks about Kegels and about strengthening and everything, but there's not as much emphasis placed on the relaxation of the pelvic floor. So when you're giving birth, the pelvic floor has to relax and open up, and those muscles that um, would act as stabilizing and supportive muscles, they also have to act and just allow things to pass. They have to stretch, and they have to be pliable. Um, so, And it's not just the muscles, the, the connective tissue and then there's nerves down there too and so nerves can get moved out of the way and compressed while as the baby passes through so there's a lot of opening and stretching that goes on during in the pelvic floor during delivery I see. And and we don't see this too much anymore, um, but episiotomies. Mm-hmm. You know, we obviously see tearing, but I think there's mm-hmm. more of a trend now going towards tearing as opposed to, you know, going ahead and doing an episiotomy beforehand. Mm-hmm. Um, how does that impact the pelvic floor? What has your experience been as, as far as seeing cases and stuff? Yeah, it's a good trend. It's a good trend because the, the research really doesn't show that episiotomies have have been protective at all. It's kind of an interesting thought that initial thought was, we'll do an episiotomy to protect further tearing of the pelvic floor. So you're cutting something to protect it. Um, so they, they cut through and sometimes tearing can go beyond that. Um, so it's not necessarily just where they cut. Um, you know, there's scarring and some sometimes women have more pain after an episiotomy than they would after tearing. And, you know, long term, you know, the area has to heal. You're forming scar tissue around the area that has to get more flexible and you have to strengthen around it. So, um, you know, there, there's definitely um, it's a trauma that doesn't necessarily have to occur. Okay. Now, we've been talking about obviously all this is having to do with the vaginal birth. But what about for other births out there? Does that still have an impact on the um, on the pelvic floor if you're going to have a cesarean, let's mm-hmm. say? Well, there's, I mean, there's definitely an impact on the pelvic floor just while you're pregnant, pregnant. just the entire nine months. I mean, you have all of these hormones going on in your body that loosen up your joints and create um, this uh, flexibility in your muscles and then create stress through uh, the pelvis because as your pelvis widens, it causes the muscles to stretch 
position become a little uncomfortable sometimes. Um, and then you have the pr- downward pressure as, as the baby gets larger and heavier. You have that downward pressure on your pelvic floor, so you're going to have some stretching. In fact, some of the women that I talked to later on in, you know, in the third trimester are saying, Kegels, how, how, what, you know, I can't even feel those muscles anymore. Yeah. <laughs> how am yeah. I going to contract that? Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's, you're not, you're not limiting, um, the stress on your pelvic floor by having a cesarean. You are, you know, eliminating the, the chance of having a trauma to your pelvic floor from, uh, when you have a cesarean, but you're not going to eliminate the, you know, the nine month stress beforehand. What do you typically recommend to pregnant women to protect their pelvic floor before you know, going into labor and delivery? So um, the position and the way you deliver is really important. Um, And I know, you know, that's not a lot. It's not talked about a lot. Um, But there's different positions that you can get into that are going to decrease your chances for having tearing or trauma to the pelvic floor and different ways that you can allow your muscles to relax better. So if you're in a supportive, relaxing, nurturing environment where you're able to um, let things go and and breathe and allow your pelvic floor to open, then you're much less likely to have a tear because you can let those muscles stretch. It's like if you were stretching your hamstring and you were trying to push against the person and really resisting it, you know, your hamstring is not going to stretch as well. Same thing with your pelvic floor. So that's that's one thing that um, giving giving birth on your back with your legs up is a lot more pressure on your pelvic floor and it closes, narrows the area for the baby to pass through. So you have to push harder to get the baby through. So anytime you have to push harder, it puts more stress on your pelvic floor. So that's, you know, typically not a really a recommended position to, to deliver. Um, I also just, it's important for you to stay active when you're pregnant, to stay healthy, you know, eat well, um, exercise, do your Kegels, but also make sure that you're able to do the opposite of that. Make sure you're able to relax the pelvic floor, do some relaxation and some visualization before and make sure that you're, you know, you're able to keep balance in your life. If you're stressed out going into your birth, it's hard for your muscles to relax. Okay. I, I found it so frustrating. You know, um, I went to a, a just a general childbirth education class um, prior to giving birth to my first. And they would just say, kind of, you know, just do your kegels. And they'd give us like a little sticker that just said, you know, reminder every day, do your kegels. Um, and I always wanted to know, well, what specifically do I do? And I feel like that's an area that isn't really discussed. I mean, I think we know now what a kegel is and, you know, how to control that muscle. We talk about that a lot. But specifically, what, what, I mean, is it a release and hold or a hold release type thing? Or what do you do to really strengthen that muscle, again, prior to giving birth? What's your recommendation? Well, the the pelvic floor has to function, you know, the, pel- the kegel muscles have to function a couple different ways. You know, they, when you sneeze or laugh, it has to be a quick contraction because you don't have time to go, okay, one, two, three, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> <laughs> so you have to, it has to be able to contract quickly. But you also have to be able to have a long endurance laugh. You know, if you're a runner, uh, laugh, an endurance contraction. You have to have a certain amount of resting muscle tone there, and you have to be able to hold a contraction for a, uh, um, a longer. And I'm talking a muscular contraction, not a, you know, baby contraction, <laughs> which I know everyone is having right now. Um, so uh, the, that muscle muscular contraction you have to be able to maintain for longer. So what I usually, and again, this is kind of on an individual basis, basis. It depends on what, you know, if somebody's having some issues with their pelvic floor, then we definitely have to evaluate that and look and see what we see. But if you're not having any issues and you just want to, you know, increase the health and the strength of your pelvic floor, I usually recommend just, you know, doing some endurance um, contractions where you squeeze and hold it for 10 seconds. And then you relax fully, make sure the pelvic floor completely relaxes. Um, for 10 seconds, and then you repeat that 10 times. 
And then after that, I usually have people just do some quick contract, quick squeezes. So they squeeze, release, squeeze, release, squeeze, release 10 times or so. Is that something you just do in one day or how often do you recommend to do those exercises? Um, if you're not having any issues yeah. and you don't need to um, correct something that's going on, then once a day would be sufficient to maintain what you have. If you want to increase the strength of your pelvic floor, you might want to do it a couple times a day. Okay. All right, very good. Well, when we come back, we're going to discuss some of the potential pelvic floor problems that are caused by pregnancy as well as labor and delivery and when you may want to check out and see a physical therapist for some of these issues. We'll be right back. Okay, welcome back. We are talking about how we can protect our pelvic floor and Destiny Boshinsky. She is a doctor of physical therapy at Scripps Memorial. She is our special guest today. So, Destiny, let's talk specifically about some of these potential problems that can be caused by pregnancy as well as labor and delivery and when we might be able to come see somebody like you and, and get some help. Because <laughs> we all need help. At any time. <laughs> um, so let's start with the problems first. What, what are problems. some of the, pro- the, the common problems that women have? Um, incontinence. Uh, it, you know, something like 30% of women who are pregnant ha- experience incontinence at some point. Um, that's an issue. Uh, pain. Pain is a big thing that we see uh, women for. Low back pain, pelvic pain, sciatica, um, uh, pain like in the pelvic floor. Um, and then post-labor and delivery, you know, um, people who are healing from cesarean sections, people who are healing from episiotomies, who continue to experience some kind of incontinence or pain, having a difficult time getting back to um, having sex, comfortable. Um, and as as well as anything that's residual that they experience during. So uh, if there was any specific trauma, that can definitely complicate your healing time afterwards. But we see people for all the all sorts of things like that. And by trauma, are you talking about birth trauma, like mm-hmm. something that happened during mm-hmm. the process? Tearing, tearing, episiotomy, um, nerve compression. People, you know, if if the baby's sitting on the perineum for a really long time, crowning for a long time, we can get nerve compression issues, um, nerve stretch issues. What's a long time when you say crowning for a long time? Do you have any idea what they? Um, well. My personal experience, uh, I was at a birth where a baby was um, crowning for like 25 minutes. I don't know how that compares in the scope of things. She didn't have any issues afterwards. So after we have our babies, and we may notice some um, general incontinence after we have our babies, um, but how long, you know, until we realize, okay, this is really a more serious problem? It's never a normal thing to have incontinence. It's never... Period. Any period. kind of incontinence? Period. And when we say incontinence, are we talking about... Inability anything. to control your urine. At any time, whether you're sneezing, coughing, whatever. At any time. It's never a normal thing for you to be unable to control your urine or your bowels. Okay. Except During- for when the baby kicks your bladder. <laughs> <laughs> okay, there are, there, are, there are those. It's normal to go pee more frequently. It's normal yeah. to need to go really often. But you should always be able to make it there in time. Right. Unless, you know, unless you drank a liter of Gatorade and are like five miles away from a bathroom. It, you know, extreme circumstances. But you shouldn't be experiencing normal inability to control your urine. That's not a normal thing. Um, so... You know, it's. I think a lot of women assume it is. Yeah. Well, because you hear that all the time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. we're well, having incontinence issues. Why well, you just had a baby? Right. Whatever. Yeah. And for a lot of people, for some people, it does resolve, and they mm-hmm. and they do their kegels, and they and they heal from you know from after the childbirth, and and they get better, and it resolves. But they might come down with problems later on during life, you know, fifteen years later that might have been you know headed headed off if they got, had some treatment at the time. Really? Okay. So mm-hmm. it can be, okay. It can so reoccur. It can, yeah. It can reoccur. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Other than doing kegels, what is, what treatment could you do? So 
What we do in physical therapy, we do a lot of coordination type of treatment. We make sure, in addition to education, so we make sure that um, that you know where your pelvic floor is, how to control it, what kind of things put pressure on your pelvic floor, um, what kind of things to do to avoid um, putting stress on your pelvic floor, positions to get in to help you heal as well if you're healing from, from labor um, and delivery, and uh, then exercises to strengthen everywhere around it. So we want to make sure that you can contract your pelvic floor muscles separately from your abdominals separately from your buttocks muscles separately from your thighs and and control everything well and we do that with uh, different different kinds of treatments but kegels are a part of the picture but they're not everything okay so what can we expect um if we decide to come see a physical therapist what is the process of you know trying to you know diagnose what happens and then how you treat it so you you'll get a, a quote-unquote diagnosis from your doctor um, and when they send you to physical therapy because in California we don't have direct access. You have to get a referral from a physician first um, or your midwife. Midwives can refer to. Um, and then you'll come in with your diagnosis. You'll, we'll, get, we'll talk to you about what's going on with you, what um, your past labor and delivery history is, what kind of issues you had while you were pregnant afterwards, what kind of labor you had, what kind of delivery you had, any trauma that occurred. And then um, in order for us to really do our physical therapy assessment, we have to assess the pelvic floor both externally and internally. So we do a vaginal exam where we test the strength of the muscles, the endurance of the muscles, um, look at the connective tissue, see if there's any movement. You guys have heard of prolapse where the, either the bladder falls down or the rectum falls down or the uterus falls down into the vagina. Um, we check for those types of things and um, we do some biofeedback which looks at the control of the muscles and um, and how you're using other muscles attached and surrounding the pelvis, the abdominals and the back and everything. Okay. And can most things be treated with physical therapy or what are, what are the odds of only needing physical therapy for your issue? Well, most things related to what? Uh, Anything well, related to the pelvic floor? So, I Well, mean, yeah. So labor, I'm just thinking, I'm thinking more of incontinence because mm-hmm. I think that's the common thing most women face, right. you know? Okay. Mm-hmm. So um, again, and I know it does depend on the severity of your incontinence, but um, you know, your personal experience with people coming in with incontinence issues, how often do they just need physical therapy and that's it? Often. Okay. Often. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's really helpful. Um, yeah. And, and even women with other, there's other bladder issues that can go along with it. You know, having to pee every 20 minutes or, mm-hmm. um, you know, getting up four or five times in the middle of the night, not your baby waking you up, but your bladder waking you up. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and having a strong urge to go and you only go and you have like a couple of drops. That's all that, all that stuff is not normal either. So the, those things can all be treated with physical therapy. As well, well, how long typically does it take to heal? Especially after birth, like after my first, I had an episiotomy. And so are they actually cutting the pelvic floor at that point? Like when they do the episiotomy and how, like, I never felt like I really healed from that Mm because I I peed when I coughed. I peed when I laughed. I peed sometimes just standing up. I mean, it was just really embarrassing, actually. Absolutely. Yeah. So when they do the episiotomy, they cut the skin and it depends on, it depends on how deep they go. They can cut some of the superficial muscles and it's not always in one direction. They can go straight down. They can go to the side. Um, so there's different things can be involved and it can definitely, the pain, just the pain of the episiotomy can inhibit your muscle function in that area for a while. So you can definitely have some complications, some urinary issues from that. Um, how long does it take to heal? Uh, you know, your body is really laying down scar tissue and healing for the first couple of months. Um, 
But everyone's different. It depends on how, when you start getting back to your daily activities. Do you, you know, take some time off of your feet? And are you using some ice on the perineum and and being really good with the rest of your body too? Um, There's things that we can do that help and things that we can do that harm. And I think there's a big emphasis on, you know, getting back to everything right away. You know, I went for a walk on day two and I did this and I'm, you know, fixing the dinners now or, you know, and, and that's not necessarily a good thing. I think we need to recognize that birth is a, a big thing for the body to do, and it doesn't mean that you need to bounce back from it right away, and we shouldn't be expected to bounce back from it right away and get back to all of our daily things because daily things, your body needs time to heal. What's a normal downtime for, like, I mean, recommended downtime once you've had the baby? Uh, Six weeks? I mean, is it? Downtime. As far being, as, like. No heavy lifting. No heavy lifting, like no vacuuming, no walking. No, you know, I mean... Depends on what you had, what what your labor entailed. Like, how long were you pushing? Um, did you have any tearing or episiotomy? Um, how long was the overall labor? How big was your baby? Because that has an effect, too. Um, but, you know, I definitely say... I mean, my midwife recommended two weeks of pajama rest. So she said... Ooh, I like your midwife. I know! <laughs> <laughs> and I wish I would have done it. <laughs> but she said, you know, don't get up for anything other than going to the bathroom, uh, nurse nurse, uh, you know, in bed or, um, you know, so you can sit up to nurse, but, you know, don't do anything for two weeks. Um, it's, you know, your body is really healing for a couple of months afterwards and sometimes longer depending on what was, what, what went on. So downtime, you know, it, it varies. I think there people. should be a rule. We should all, we should all <laughs> pajama time for sure for two that. weeks. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm just going to go ahead and live by that. Well, <laughs> like for cesarean, they're saying, you know, they, they don't want you to lift or do anything heavy for, you know, six to eight weeks afterwards. But if you think you've had some tearing or episiotomy, you also had some, uh, some trauma there to your pelvic floor. It might, it's not as visible as a cesarean scar and it's not major surgery, but you're still healing in that area and it takes your body uh, that same amount of time to heal. So. Okay. What what advice do you have for mothers out here? Maybe you're still pregnant and may want to prevent some of these issues. What would be your little elevator pitch to them about what they should do to protect their pelvic floor? Jeez, there's so much. <laughs> <laughs> there's no elevator. There's no 30 I second feel, pitch for well, that. Okay. Well, I think like I, I just feel like education is the key to everything. Yeah. Um, that's why I got into this area of physical therapy because I think there's uh, like you like you said you, who knew what the pelvic floor was before you got pregnant. I think there's a lot of we need to demystify the area. We need to find out what it is. You know what's going on. What what happens. Why while we're pregnant and then during labor and delivery. And if we have more information, I think then we'll be more empowered to um, to seek out answers for ourselves and to really say, you know, okay, this is happening with my pelvic floor. I have this information and now I want to do something about it because this is not normal or this is not okay. It's not something I'm willing to live with. So I think that um, education is key for everything. Okay. So if we notice some problems after having birth, we know now that it's not normal <laughs> and that we should probably see somebody about this. Maybe our, just our general OB at first, and then they could refer us mm-hmm. to somebody like you. Okay. Thanks, Destiny. Thank Thanks you. for all the information. Yeah. It was really great. If you guys have a question for our expert about today's topic, feel free to send us an email through our website or call our Preggy Pals hotline at 619-866-4775 and leave a message, and we'll include that message in an upcoming episode. Before we wrap up today's show, here are some great prenatal fitness tips. Hi, Preggy Pals. I'm Lisa Drexman, Chief Founding Mom at Stroller Strides, where you get to have a great time with your baby, get back in shape, and meet other new moms. And I'm here to answer any of your questions about fitness and pregnancy. Today's question is, can I work my abs during pregnancy? And the answer is yes, yes, yes. 
you definitely want to work your abs during pregnancy for so many reasons. You want to be able to support the weight of that baby. It's going to help your back. It's going to help you feel better throughout this pregnancy. And the fact is it's going to help you get back into shape after you have the baby, which is, I know, so important to you. Now, I know the challenge in why so many moms don't work out uh, abs during pregnancy is because they're told not to lay on their back after the first trimester. And this is true. This is due to something called supine hypotensive syndrome, which not even all moms will have. But basically, it's the weight of the baby in the uterus blocking the vena cava, so you're not getting enough blood flow possibly to the baby. But there are so many exercises beyond just basic crunches um, and sit-ups that you can do for your abs. You can do plank exercises. You can adjust yourself a little bit at an incline. Um, Really, just think about hugging your baby all the time using your core muscles. Your abs are not quite as functional when they're all stretched out over baby, but they can still work and you do want to still address them. And hopefully if you're doing total body workouts, you're doing functional movements that are going to use your core throughout your pregnancy and it will help you so very much. Visit strollerstrides.com for more great information on how to stay fit throughout pregnancy and parenthood. And be sure to listen to Preggy Pals for more great prenatal fitness tips. That wraps up our show for today. Don't forget the conversation continues on our Facebook fan page and on Twitter. If you're tweeting, be sure to use the hashtag NewMommyMedia. Coming up next week, we're discussing the different stages of labor and delivery. Thanks for listening to Preggy Pals, your pregnancy, your way. This has been a New Mommy Media production. The information and material contained in this episode are presented for educational purposes only. Statements and opinions expressed in this episode are not necessarily those of New Mommy Media and should not be considered facts. While such information and materials are believed to be accurate, it is not intended to replace or substitute for professional medical advice or care and should not be used for diagnosing or treating health care problem or disease or prescribing any medication. If you have questions or concerns regarding your physical or mental health or the health of your baby, Please seek assistance from a qualified healthcare provider. Hey, mamas. Don't forget to check out Mighty Moms. It's our online community built for new moms just like you. Not only can you connect with other moms, but you can also join us backstage for special mom-only online events. And you'll also be notified when we're recording so you can join us as a special guest. Visit our website, newmommymedia.com, and click on the Mighty Moms banner. It's free. That's newmommymedia.com. See you there.